0: Hello
1: and welcome to daily wisdom walking the path with the buddha today is our group learning program and on wednesdays we do either meditation or chanting together and sometimes we even combine these things together we're actually in our second class of a four-part series where we're sharing buddhist chanting helping you learn the chants that i do before and after meditation And last week was the first class where I went through a lot of details explaining to you why I actually do the chanting, helping you to understand that it's not mystical, magical things. It's not prayer. It's not worship. It's actually cultivating certain qualities in the mind. So I'd like to welcome you for our second class. If you didn't join the first class, that was recorded on YouTube, Facebook, and our podcast. You're welcome to review that content. In today's class, what I'm going to be doing is just reviewing briefly some of the things that I've talked about last week, and then we'll actually do some practice of the chanting together. And we'll probably even have time to do the chants and some meditation together today as well. So again, welcome to all of you. Let me just switch over to some visual aids here to help you guys see what it is that I'm sharing. Just need to pull it up on the screen. All right. So last week in our first class, I shared the benefits of chanting, which essentially helps you to understand why I actually do chanting. And I'll just go through these things as a little bit of a recap and a review and then open up to any questions you guys have, because last week I taught them in more detail. The first thing is, is that it helps us to set up mindfulness in front of us prior to meditating. Mindfulness is awareness of mind. So as we chant, it brings this awareness to the mind. So you're not just plopping down in meditation, ultimately helping you get more benefit out of the meditation itself. The Buddha used this terminology, set up mindfulness in front of you. In the Pali Canon, we don't see exactly what he suggested in order to do that. And I imagine he probably left it up to individuals to do that themselves. But for me, what I observe is that the chanting actually helps us to set up mindfulness. And chanting was originally shared by the Buddha as a way to remember his teachings because it was oral teachings that he delivered all through his life. And twice a month, he had his practitioners to chant his teachings word for word for word. This is how they remembered his discourses. Today we have books and podcasts and videos things like this but during his lifetime they didn't have that so they had to remember his teachings word for word for word in the unenlightened mind tends to be very muddled and lacks concentration and memorization so the way that he encouraged people to retain his teachings is through doing chanting and that's how it all originated and today we still chant in pali but we don't necessarily have to remember the discourses word for word for word and even if we did pali isn't a spoken language anymore so they don't really have as much meaning to people. But as I did last week, I shared some of the translations or all the translations of the chants that I do. But during the lifetime of the Buddha, they would have been chanting you know, for hours because they would have been chanting things like the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path and the Five Precepts and things like this. That's how they retain the teachings by actually chanting them, reciting them twice a week. So this helps to develop this awareness of mind, concentration, and memory. It also helps you to develop awareness of breath as you're chanting. You have to be very aware of the breath. It even slows the mind down, relaxes it, and eases it into meditation and provides you this audible indication that your practice is improving because when you first start chanting, you know, that's the most horrible you'll sound. You're not going to be able to be an expert at this immediately, just like everything else you've ever learned in life. It's going to take you time to gradually build up to Being able to remember the chants and actually chant them proficiently. So, day by day, week by week, you see this audible improvement in your practice of the chanting, which can be very encouraging and motivating. It also helps to cultivate respect and gratitude for the elders because these chants and all these teachings have been passed down for many centuries, from the lifetime of the Buddha all the way until now. So, respect and gratitude is something you need to cultivate as part of this path to enlightenment for all beings. So by you cultivating this gratitude and respect for the elders and for Gautama Buddha, that can then kind of bubble over into other parts of your life, whether it be your life partner, your children, your ex-spouses, your Teachers, your neighbors, different people around you, your family and friends, this respect and gratitude that you cultivate in chanting can help to kind of bubble over into other parts of your life so that you're practicing those same qualities with other people. And as I mentioned, this chanting, it has no mystical or magical benefits. The reason why we actually chant is because they did it during the lifetime of the Buddha. They did it to remember the oral teachings. And that was the only reason why they did it. They didn't do it for any other reason. But today there's people who believe that there's these mystical, magical benefits, but there's not. There's nothing that you can say out of your mouth that's going to bring this mystical, magical benefits. Everything that we experience in life is cause and effect or action and result based on the natural law of gamma. So the more wisdom that we have about this natural law, then we can make wise decisions to improve the condition of our mind and the condition of our life by cultivating wisdom, There's nothing in terms of chanting that is just going to ultimately create this improved decision-making in terms of you're not going to get a longer life, you're not going to eliminate unwholesome karma, you're not going to instantly get to enlightenment. These things and others that are taught as part of chanting isn't the actual truth. There's no mystical, magical, superstitious thing that's happening. It's just literally cultivating these qualities of mind of concentration, deep memory, getting this awareness of breath, easing the mind in the meditation, slowing it down and relaxing it so that then you can get more benefit out of the actual meditation itself. Because if you just came in and plopped down a meditation, it might take you five or 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes to start getting to a point where you're really benefiting from the meditation. But if you can do some chanting ahead of your meditation, then from the very beginning of your meditation, you can immediately start reaping the benefits of the actual meditation itself. So let me pause here and see what questions you guys have on these before we actually go in and recap the actual chants and then actually chant together and then move into meditation together. The way that you ask questions is put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. And then if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions that you like.
2: Yes, sir. Tony has his hand raised. Let's go to him.
3: Yes, sir. There's a question in uh, from uh, YouTube. Hello, sir. After one has learned these chants, should one try to learn other chants or just use these chants? No need for any more.
1: You can learn other chants if you like. These are the three most popular chants within the Theravada tradition. That's why I chant these and continue to chant them. It's about a two and a half minute, you know, lead into your meditation and a two and a half lead out exiting your meditation, you wouldn't necessarily need any additional chants. You don't even need these chants, truthfully, that there's no requirement to actually chant in order to get to enlightenment. But these qualities of mind that I talk about, the benefits, you definitely need those in order to get to enlightenment. You would need to set up mindfulness in front of you before meditating. You would need to develop this awareness of mind and concentration and memory you would need to have awareness of breath you would need to ease the mind into meditation all these things that i'm sharing with you that i cultivate and benefit from as part of chanting you would still need all of these in order to get to enlightenment but you don't actually need to do chanting in order to do these you can actually cultivate these benefits in other ways so there's no harm in learning more chanting you wouldn't have to learn more chanting you don't even need to learn chanting at all There's enlightened beings who don't even chant because as part of the Eightfold Path, that's the path to enlightenment. That's what the Buddha shared in order to train the mind. So if chanting is required, you would see a step that says, right chanting, right? But you don't. You see things like right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So that's why you see the benefits here that I share that I cultivate in chanting, are connected directly to the Eightfold Path and what it is you're trying to accomplish out of the Eightfold Path, because that's the path to enlightenment. So it would be totally up to you whether you choose to not learn these at all, whether you choose to just learn these few, and that's all you need, or whether you choose to learn some more. If you really gravitate towards chanting and you really enjoy it, it might be something that you decide to actually learn more.
2: It does not seem there are any other questions at this time, sir.
1: All right. So let's look at the chants that we learned last week as part of our class, and we'll chant them together as a class. And I'll even open up to anybody in Zoom who would maybe like to get some personal guidance. You're welcome to volunteer to do chanting, and I'll listen to your chanting. Other members of the community will listen to your chanting and get motivated and encouraged by your progress and your growth. And then I can provide you a little bit of guidance to help you improve your chanting even more. So this is the first chant that I taught, which is called the Triple Gem or the Triple Jewel. It's three individual statements, one for the Buddha, one for the teachings, and one for the community. And as I mentioned last week, I feel that these chants or chants that actually were developed after the Buddha's death because they're honoring the Buddha. They're respecting the Buddha. They're showing this gratitude to the Buddha. He wouldn't have taught people these chants to honor and respect him. He would have just respected people and honored people and had gratitude for his students and other people of the community. And then because of his 45 years of teaching and dedicating all this time effort, energy, and resources to sharing these teachings, helping people get to enlightenment and completely eliminate discontentedness, they had nothing but gratitude and respect for him in terms of the people that were experiencing progress on the path. So once he died, I feel that they probably created these chants as a way to honor and respect him. So while you'll see the English translations here are honoring and respecting him, it's not something that he would have taught people to do. A Buddha doesn't teach people to bow down to him and honor him and worship him. That's not what he does. He's teaching people to eliminate the pollutions of mind through training the mind. And as a result of that, he would have needed to practice being respectful and having appreciation and gratitude for others. And that respect and gratitude would have came back to him through all of his interactions with his students. They would have been very appreciative of the time, effort, energy, and resources that he dedicated to helping them along this path. And then this is the way that I feel his students honored and respected him. So this first one, I will go ahead and chant with you guys just from right from the beginning. Let's go ahead and chant together. And then after we chant this, then I'll open up to anybody who would like to do this by themselves and receive some personal guidance and encourage and motivate the rest of us through your progress on the path so go ahead and bring your hands together palm to palm at your sternum take a nice breath and then we'll just chant this together <laughs>
4: Sawaka to dammo okay that's the first chant that
1: we learned i'm gonna take a little sip of water if you've got one close by you might need one as well all right is there anyone in zoom who would like to raise their hand and volunteer to chant these on their own we'll all listen and get encouraged and support you along the way all right. Looks like we have a hand up.
2: <laughs> yes,
5: sir. I'll go ahead and
2: be the first to do this. Sure.
5: Sure. Aratham Makoa Sawaka to Mako at Tamo Tamang Namasa Stupati Pano Mako ato Sawaka sung.
1: good job Miranda obviously Miranda has been learning this for a while and been practicing a while she sounds outstanding I don't have any feedback for you Miranda that sounds outstanding very good job is there anyone else who would like to chant looks like you're getting some hearts from some people must have enjoyed hearing your chanting be very encouraging, right? So one of the things that's important as part of this path to enlightenment is that you don't compare and measure yourself from one person to the other, right? That's the conceit that wants to do that, is having that arrogance and that pride and wanting to measure like, oh, Miranda is so much better than me. I don't want to chant or, oh, she's not as good as me. You know, let me show her how to do it, right? This would be like measuring and comparing. Also, there's that self, right? That personal existence view that self image and self identity oftentimes we don't want to do things like this in the public because there's shyness there's this discontentness where the mind is not wanting to step forward this is actually an opportunity for you to practice not judging or measuring and comparing yourself to other people and it's also an opportunity for you to break through any shyness and any personal existence view or that self where the self doesn't want to look bad and you're maybe scared to chant in front of other people or something like this. Whereas if you break through that and just like, all right, I'm just going to chant and whatever happens, happens. And, you know, break through that shyness that will actually help you to get closer to enlightenment. I think Miranda could actually share the first time that she did this, she was probably shy and she stepped forward and broke through that. And now she's like, you know, got her hand up before I even get the words out of my mouth to accept volunteers to chant. So this is what you can do when you have these opportunities to practice the teachings rather than a give in to that shyness rather than give in to that conceit rather than to give in to that personal existence view that wants to keep you in the corner and not do something like this instead you step forward and actively move towards what you feel might be a challenge what you might feel is a struggle you move towards it because that's where you gain the wisdom and you gain improvement to the condition of the mind so anybody who's joining us for the first time or you know, maybe they joined this class for the first time last week, go ahead and chant, you know, raise your hand and break through that shyness, break through that personal existence view, break through that conceit. That's how you get rid of it. So we've got some other people, it looks like that are gonna be volunteering. We got some more hands up.
2: Yes, sir. Chrissy and Tony both have their hands raised. I think that Chrissy raised her hand first. So let's go to her first, sir.
1: Sure.
6: Hello. Ada hang happy watami, me kado Supati Pano Haka Wato Sawaka Sanco San.
1: That was really good, Chrissy. Excellent nothing but support. And, yeah, nothing but support and love for each person who steps forward to to learn and practice. I do have some things to help you though, Chrissy. There was three places that I saw where the pronunciation might have been just a little bit off. So what I'm going to do to help you is have you chant through it again and then I'm going to stop you right where the pronunciation is a little bit off and help you with it and then that'll be the best way to help you learn the pronunciation. So if you can start at the beginning and just go through it again, and then I'll stop you when you get to the word or the syllable that you mispronounced.
6: Okay. Right
1: here, right here. That's Samaputo. Puto. Yeah, so start from the beginning again
6: ada hang samassaam ko to um hakawa ko tang hakawan pak right there
1: pakawa pa. so, pak so yeah so po tang pak I think you're probably using your phone, right? Or you using the computer? I am. Yeah, it's probably hard for you to see the words. So it's Poo Tang Paka.
6: Poo tang paka wang tang. You got it. Happy <laughs>
1: Good, you got it. Do that line again.
6: Poo tang paka one paka. Perfect.
1: Perfect. Now start at arahang and just keep on going.
6: From from the beginning.
1: Yeah, from arahang. This is just kind of like the repetition will get it soaked into your mind.
6: Okay. Arahang sama you nailed
1: it you nailed it keep going
6: sa okay. Dhamma-namasami.
1: It's da-mung. Da-mung.
6: Da-mung-namasami.
1: Yeah. Do that, do that line again. Sawakato
6: sva khato om haghawatcha tamo tamang namasami
1: yeah right on good job
6: supati yeah, right pano Yeah.
1: Good job, Chrissy. Wonderful. Outstanding. Thank you. Yeah. Do you see the difference now?
2: I do. It helps to read it while doing it, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you're first learning, it surely does yeah that, that was really good women chant for some reason at least for my ear women just chant so beautiful so beautiful i, I see tony's hands up don't worry tony if, if you don't sound as good as these women they just have amazing voices for chanting <laughs> uh,
3: uh, no competition here no competition very, good. very well done, ladies very well
1: that's oh, the way to think about it you. no competition very good
7: <laughs>
3: Aham sama sambuto pacawa kutung paca one tongue a tea tea me take me sawa cato paca attha sami sami Yeah, that's really good, Tony.
1: You just learned these last week, right? Yes.
3: That's
1: very, very very good for just learning it last week. Can you do it again for us? I'd like to hear you run through it without me stepping in, because I think you've got it.
3: Thank you. Sure, I'll try again. That's not as bad as i thought it was
1: going to be yeah you've got the pronunciation uh, down really well and as you start committing it to memory you'll get the tempo down a little bit better it's almost like a metronome it's like <laughs> ara ha
4: so you kind of get that
1: tempo after you get the memorization i see you're working on the memorization but it's going really well for you so yeah let's hear it all the way through
3: Me Sawakato Pauka Watamo Damsman Nami Supatipa no Pakawa Asawaka
4: very
1: good, na na Yeah, na Me. Very good. For one week, Tony, that's outstanding. Congratulations, buddy. Have you been practicing? I have not. Yeah. I've I, I not. Okay. But I found it in the book here
3: today, so. Thank you, uh, Teacher
1: David. Yeah, you're welcome. That's very good. Are there other students who would like to practice?
2: Uh, it does not appear that there are, although Chrissy has her oh, No, she just put her hand down. Um, no, there are no other volunteers, sir.
1: Okay, let's move on to the next chant. Let's do this one together as a group. And then I'll do the same thing and open up and see if you guys would like to chant it. And this one tends to be a bit easier because it's the same statement, repeated three times. So just bring the palms of your hands together at your sternum. Take a nice deep breath.
4: (laughs) Nap modha Araha toy some masa puta sa. Napoid ha sab haka wato. Araha all
1: right so that's that one there's no bowing with this one it's just repeated the same one three times this is oftentimes one that people start learning first so are there students who would like to practice this one Raina's got her hand up again. I just saw her take a big swig of water. We're in for a treat.
5: We're <clears> in for a treat. Natmurasa Bhakavato Adahato Ada Ato, Summa, Samputa, Sapa, Wato. Ada Ato, Summa, Samputa,
1: Right on, Miranda. Good job. That's what two years of practice will get you, right? Yes, very, sir. Very good. Very good. Alright. Looks, looks like Tony has his hand up too, huh? Let's hear what you got, Tony. I'll help you out. Your mute's still on.
3: Nama ta sa pota waka. Nama sa pa Bhagavato
1: okay let's try to do something i haven't done this before but let's try it let's see if it works let's you and i try to chant at the exact same time so that you can hear the okay. pronunciations. Because this is
4: not mo ta sa to So that's the that's
1: the pronunciation, but let's try to do it together. It's not mo, okay? You ready? You start. <laughs>
4: I think the delay. I
3: think
1: there's a delay. I I, we can't do it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it seems to be.
1: Yeah, there's like a little delay. All right, let me do it once, uh, and you can hear it. Okay, and then you'll
4: try again. Napmoid her sabhaka vato Ada hato Napo, BHAGAVATO ARAHATO paca, Okay, try that again.
3: Namu, tasa, BHAGAVATO ARAHATO ara, Namasatasa bakuato arahatu sama samputasa. Namasatasa arahatu sama
1: samputasa. Okay, That's much better, Tony. Good job. That first word, though, is namo. You're saying Nama, namo. But other than that, you got them all down. I'll tell you guys a little joke oh. since we're focusing on this word namo. I have a, a nephew whose name is namo. And uh, his mom is my wife's sister, right? So she's my sister-in-law. And she had a child, and then many years later, she had a kind of an oopsie. She had an accident, right? She didn't mean to have a baby, but she got pregnant, and she named it Namo. And my sister, my, my wife said to her sister, you know, sister, you better be careful. You got Namo. You might get Tasa Pakawato Arahato Samasam Tasa. You better be careful. So that's a little Buddhist joke for you. So uh we all laughed, of course, because uh if you know the chant, then you know when she named the first the, the first or it was her second child, Namo, you know, you better be careful because you might get tasa, and then it's gonna be Pakawato, and then there's gonna be Arahato. Be careful. All right, so that word. That word, Tony, maybe that joke will help you remember it. It's namo, namo. And if you ever meet my nephew, his name is namo. (laughs) All right.
2: Um, Chrissy
6: has her hand raised, sir. Let's go to her. That's funny,
1: teacher David. (laughs) I thought it was, too. I can't take credit for the joke, though.
6: (laughs) Namo tassa bhagavato, ada hato asama samputassa. Namo tassa bhagavato, ada hato arahato sa
1: Very good, Chrissy. Excellent. Very good. One of the ways that helps you to remember these chants for everybody. This is a feedback for everyone who's learning is when someone else is chanting, like Chrissy and Tony and Miranda, is if you look at the words and listen to them chanting, it really helps to soak the the chant into the mind. So you start associating the sound of chanting and the pronunciation to the actual words. Because we're using this, you know, English characters to represent the sounds that are being made. So by hearing the sound and looking at the words, it really helps to do that association and connect it for you. But very good job all of you guys anyone else
2: um it doesn't appear so sir uh but on facebook Tonka has asked i hear not mo in the first word in the second chance sir
4: yeah it should be namo 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 namo
2: that's a good uh good thing to know because i know that i do that also i say not mo.
1: Yeah.
2: um it does not appear we have any more volunteers at this time, sir.
1: I guess I actually do pronounce it like that in my chant, don't I? Not mo, <laughs> not mo. Yeah, I do pronounce it like that. Actually, that's probably why you guys are hearing it that way. When I refer to my nephew, I call him Namo, but when I chant, I say Not mo. So it's not mo. It's not mo in the chant, but when I refer to my nephew, I say Namo. So you guys were 100 accurate on that all right so let's go to the next chant this is the etp so so let's chant this one together bring your palms together take a nice
4: deep breath etp so vi ca ca ra na anu ta sa da all right, any volunteers for this
1: one? Looks like Miranda, you're going to have the same three, maybe, volunteer. E.T.P. you're welcome there's nothing more beautiful than a room full of people coming together to do these chants i mean it just sounds so beautiful so for those of you guys that are coming to the retreat we'll get a chance to experience that where you'll get to be in a room with a room full of people chanting these that'll be just so beautiful as our voices harmonize and we kind of do this together as a community so this is outstanding good job miranda um
2: chrissy has her hand raised let's go to her next start
1: sounds good
2: ETP
6: can you help me with the tone getting started again
4: sure sorry. it's ETP okay. so
6: okay thank you'm sorry ETP so we charanang sampo no Sakato roga we two dama sati sata tawa manusanang.
1: Wonderful, Chrissy, very nice, beautiful, very good.
2: Thank
1: you.
3: Uh, it appears that Tony has his hand raised. Let's go to him, sir. Sounds good. It is <laughs> We cheer and no saka to roga we two an out of
1: Tony very good very good it's obvious you're trying to remember them and work through them so rather than give you feedback on this one because this is I think one of the more challenging ones out of the three it took me many years to get this so you guys being able to chant this good this early it shows that you're practicing and you have guidance I didn't have guidance to learn how to do these so just keep practicing this one and there's a recording in the YouTube page. And, uh, there's plenty of recordings on the podcast where you can be listening to this. There's one on the YouTube channel that is just the chanting. It's like a two and a half minute video and it's just the chanting and that's it. So that would really help you to sometimes people like put that on either in a headset or they'll play it over, uh, over speakers while they're chanting to have me kind of chant with them. So feel free to do that. That'll help you to kind of sync up your chanting really nicely with the words. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right, does anybody have any questions on any of the chants or anything that we've discussed in terms of these?
2: Yes, sir. The second chant, to be repeated three times, I've noticed that at first it was done just to be able to, to count one, two, three now i've noticed it's become a habit to press the fingers slightly more together these two the first time these two for the second time these two for the third time should that be broken is that is that an attachment or is that just become a habit sir
1: you can do that there's no harm with that i think i think (laughs) over time you'll get used to just remembering you know just your memory will be there but if you need to use that to to begin with that's fine
2: Okay. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. And also, though we are trying to practice singleness of mind, life does get busy sometimes. When we are trying to learn these chants, would this be something we could do while maybe washing dishes or folding clothes or something like that to just sit and go through these chants, sir?
1: Absolutely. Like I mentioned last week, I used to chant in the shower because there's a lot of good acoustics in there. And it kind of shows you the potential that your voice has when you hear the voice kind of fill out in kind of a nice acoustic room. So, yeah, feel free to do that kind of stuff. That can be just fine.
2: Okay. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Uh, It does not appear that we have any more questions at this time, sir.
1: Okay, well this is what I'd like to do for uh, the remaining part of our class, is let's go through the chants as a class, move into meditation, and then we will come out of meditation after we meditated for a period of time with the chants. So I will switch the chants on the screen, so anybody who would like to follow along with the chants on the screen, I'll, I'll switch those. And then after we get to the third chant, we'll just go into meditation. I'll guide you guys. Actually, you know what? I won't even give you guys guidance. I'll just let you guys ease into meditation as if you're doing this on your own. So when you're meditating, after we chant, we'll just go right into our meditation position. And then you guys just breathe in through the nose, out through the nose, establish your breath, and then focus the mind on the breath. And any time the mind moves off the breath, you just cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath. And then you just keep doing that over and over and over in your meditation. Whenever the mind moves off the breath, cut it off, let it go, and come back to the breath. So we'll do the chants, all three chants. We'll just slip into meditation. We'll meditate for a period of time. And then at some point, I'll start the chants again, the arahan. And then when you come out of meditation, you can join with the ara hung that way you'll get used to going in and out of meditation with these chants. All right so let's do that. So go ahead and get in position. I'm gonna take a little drink of water. All right let's do our chant and then go right into meditation.
4: Arahang samasam Sawaka to em hakewata namasāmi dama saming so saṅkhāṁ nāmā-mīṁ Napparhasa bhāgavāto ārāto sammāsa Napo, a ITI PISO makawa Manu te ro puri sa sati manu asanang bhoto อระหังสัมมาสัมพุทโธ So, we
1: Practicing. still practicing all right what questions do you guys have for me about chanting this will be by the way my last class of teaching chanting for now because the next two classes are going to be taught by bossom so if you guys have any questions for me on chanting this would be a good time to ask them through facebook youtube or zoom and if you're in zoom you can electronically raise your hand and then in the next two wednesdays Session three and four of this series Basim will be teaching you guys So any questions that you guys have I'd be pleased to help you with either about chanting or anything else about the path to enlightenment
2: Yes, sir. Um, Can one do chanting only when they're going into meditation or only when coming out from meditation or should it be before and after the meditation session, sir?
1: this is all going to be impermanent you're going to have some meditation sessions where you go in with chanting and then you get so deep in meditation and you'd like to just stop your meditation and no chanting there'll be other sessions where you'll do it before and after and that you know that might be kind of like your normal you know kind of maybe of the time, but then there's going to be times where you just do it on the way in, or you might decide to do it only on the way out, or you might even decide not to do it at all on certain occasions. So... What we're often taught with these different traditions is that we've got to do something every single day at exactly the same time, at exactly the same way, and all of these things. This is just permanence. This is the mind craving permanence. And your mind's going to be discontent if you were craving to do chanting every single time at the beginning and the end. Because there's going to be some times where you're just like, I don't feel like chanting. I'd like to just meditate. And that's the time where you just meditate. And then there's going to be other times where you might just decide, you know, i just like to chant. I'm not interested in meditating right now. I'm just going to chant. And then there's some times where, like I mentioned, you'll go in with chanting, but you won't come out with chanting. So allow it to be impermanent. Don't try to hold on to it and be fixed in doing exactly the same thing every single time because that's just going to lead to discontentedness because you're not going to be able to do it going in and out every single time that would just not be possible because of the universal truth of impermanence.
2: Yes, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan has her hand raised, let's go to her.
7: Thank you, Miranda. Thank you, teacher David. I've noticed that um, at the beginning of the chanting, especially at the end of meditation, uh, it causes a very strong jerking in my body. I don't have, think there's a feeling associated with it. It's more like being very startled. And I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that. I don't know if you have any guidance to offer there.
1: Is that where you're in meditation and then I start chanting, it startles you? Yeah. Okay.
7: Yes. Yeah, so, very so, strong startle. <laughs> yeah. So
1: this is because there's still a self there. As long as the mind still has a certain self... It's going to get scared sometimes, you know, get startled like that. That's one of the ways to actually train a student to eliminate the self is I will scare them. I did it twice to my wife today when she was coming in from outside. The door to enter, it's like a solid door. And I was just standing there. And then as soon as she grabbed the handle and opened it, I was like, hello,
4: welcome home.
1: And then she she jumped, you know. And then she she laughed and smiled the first time. The second time, she got a little bit irritated. Uh, it was later in the day. She was probably a little bit tireder. But that's okay because it helps the mind. This is what I did with Bailan, too. I, I will oftentimes try to scare him. It's his mind that's producing the fear and the scare. It's the craving, desire, attachment. I'm not truly scaring him. I'm just doing something sudden. And then he's got to gain control or she's got to gain the control of their mind and not be startled in that situation. So what I would suggest you do in that situation is when you hear the chanting come, just ease out of meditation. Don't be startled by it. Don't crave the silence, you know, because when you're meditating, there's probably lots of silence and then boom, here's a noise. So the mind can be craving the silence and that's what startles it. It could be the self, that, you know, that there's a self there and that the mind is startled by that. So one of the trainings that we do is try to startle our students sometimes. Like when Nick was here in Thailand, I would be at a temple touring him around and I would kind of wait around the corner. And when he would come, I'd jump out and be like, hey, Nick, how's it going? And he's like, ah. <laughs> and he's like, I knew you were going to do that. So I started doing that occasionally. This is some of the things that we do to help our students to get comfortable with impermanence and let go of the self.
7: It was interesting to me that it happens only with the chanting because there can be other loud noises during meditation the neighbors start mowing the lawn or Mm -hmm. a door slams or whatever. And that doesn't seem to have any effect. It seems specific Mm -hmm. to the chanting. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, you can get to the point where none of that stuff startles you. Uh, one time I was at a temple teaching and there was a bunch of monks that I was sitting with and we were teaching about 10,000 people in this big audience and there was a partition behind me and the Thais were speaking in Thai and they were doing a certain event. It was a grand opening of a temple and my Thai isn't super good. It, it's very situational. You know, I can go into restaurants, taxis, hotels, you know, things like this. I can do all that kind of stuff, shopping, but I can't have conversational Thai. So at this event, they were announcing in Thai, because it was all a Thai audience, that they were having this event and everything was going on and they were talking in Thai. And the next thing I know, there was this enormous bob, boom. It was a firework. Thai fireworks are really loud. It sounds like a cannon, like a bomb going off. And I didn't even know that they were doing these fireworks. Of course, everyone else probably knew because they were announcing it in Thai. But I was just sitting there, you know, just kind of, you know, looking out into the audience. And next thing I know, it was like, bah, boom, boom,
4: boom, 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 boom.
1: And I observed that the mind wasn't even startled. In other situations, I knew before training the mind that that would have just shook me up. I probably would have jumped out of the seat. But when you get used to not having that craving for permanence, when there's a change which you're experiencing the silence to the sound, that's impermanence. Your mind's not comfortable with that. So that's why it's getting startled. And there can be a little bit of fear that comes in, you know, sometimes. So you just have to keep training the mind. And each time you're in class with me like this and I do chant, that's training your mind to let go of craving silence and let go of this body thinking that just because you hear a noise, something harmful is going to happen to you. So you can get to the point where nothing startles the mind whatsoever. Not at all. Even a a loud gunshot going off right next to you wouldn't startle you.
7: We've talked um, before about how I've been diagnosed with PTSD, and that is a known response. When one has PTSD, it's it's called a startle response to sudden noises. Mm -hmm. Would I have some special um, susceptibility to this because of this? It, It might be more challenging for me.
1: No, because all PTSD is, is it's the mind clinging to past experiences. You're going to no longer be considered PTSD once you get close to enlightenment because you're going to uncondition the mind. The diagnosis that they're labeling you with is just based on symptoms that they don't understand and they're labeling it as PTSD. But really all it is, is the mind's clinging to its perceptions as part of the five aggregates clinging to feelings. These five aggregates that the Buddha taught, the form aggregate, which is the physical form, the feeling aggregate, which is the feelings, the perceptions, which are the opinions and beliefs of the ways we look at things in the world, the volitional formations, which are choices and decisions, and then the consciousness or the mind. The human being in the unenlightened state is clinging to these five aggregates, and that's what causes discontentedness. And when you deeply continue to train the mind and you completely let go of clinging to these five aggregates, you will no longer experience discontentedness and nothing will startle you. So you're not truly PTSD. In the medical field, they're labeling you as that, but it's just the way that they are understanding the symptoms. You will see that you'll be able to completely eliminate anything like that this is just the mind craving and clinging. If you were here in Thailand, what I would do with you, or if I was in America with you or wherever we would be, is I would have you do this repeatedly over and over again, where we like go in and out of meditation. Like, well, maybe it be a meditation three minutes, five minutes, and then boom, like I'll start chanting and you're like, you'll start to desensitize you to it. And then after you get really good with that, I would start introducing some sounds that you're not aware of that I wouldn't tell you what I was doing. So maybe you'd be meditating and you're now over the startled sensation of when I'm chanting. Like you've done that five, eight, ten times and now that's completely out of the mind. Then I would probably have you meditating and then I'd probably bring like some musical instrument, like some cymbals and I'd be like pew and then like you'd probably startle with that one and then we'd kind of work you through that a few times and then you would get to the point where you're not startled by that one anymore. And then I'd maybe bring like a little whistle like because you're really sensitive with the ears. So you could actually do some of this training on your own. You don't need me to do it for you. If you have like some kind of random sound generator that it will just at random intervals will produce some kind of sound. If you can do that for yourself while you're meditating, like you have your own meditations that you're doing to train the mind, but then maybe two or three times a week, you have a standalone session where you turn on this random sound generator and you meditate and you don't know what sound's coming and you don't know when it's coming and it just pops. That is going to desensitize your mind and train your mind to let go of this craving through the ears for permanence. And then it'll desensitize you to that and you'll eventually get to the point where nothing will startle you.
7: Thank you, teacher David, I'll try that.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. And if you find a random sound generator, let me know because I've never looked for one. I'm sure there's one out there somewhere. <laughs> I would like to have that for other students because they're gonna need that. And even but... here when I train people, because I do it manually you know, with different sounds and stuff. Like I've done it with Bailan when he's been meditating. I'll just be like, Bailan, (laughs) you know, and he'll like jump. But after a couple of times of doing that over multiple days, he'll get desensitized to it and it won't bother him anymore. He'll just be able to stay in meditation. So you need that from something, some kind of sound, whether it's your husband helping you or whether it's some other way that you produce some random sounds.
7: I was imagining I could set some alarms on my phone to go off at different intervals and that aren't regular.
1: Yeah, and that you don't know that they're, you know, what they're doing in different sounds, too, not the exact same sound. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Mm-hmm. If I find a random sound generator, I'll let you know. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome.
2: Uh, Tony has his hand raised. Let's go to him, sir.
3: Uh, yes, sir. Uh, In Facebook, Tonka is asking, uh, three universal, universal truths may be very heartbreaking when we don't have access to permanent peace and serenity of mind. Any tips there?
1: So, to me, the three universal truths are very liberating because without the wisdom of the three universal truths, the mind's going to stay stuck in the unenlightened state. So, when we first start understanding the three universal truths, yeah, we might have a bit of a challenge to understand them, but over time we get more and more comfortable with them understanding them and observing them in the world realizing this is true where it's not a big deal anymore where before if you were working on your computer and the screen froze you might have got angry you might have hit your fist you might have been upset where now you're like oh there's impermanence that makes sense kind of almost expecting that right or if your wi-fi goes out where before you might have got angry. Now you just kind of know, well, there's that impermanence again. It's out, but that's impermanent too. Or like if you watch Netflix and your movie freezes up on you, where typically you would get angry. Now you understand, oh, that's impermanent. So let me just go in and out. Let me reboot it. Let me see if that works. If not, okay, I'll just watch that movie tomorrow. I'll just pick it up where I left off. So these universal truths, while we don't know them, we don't understand them prior to the path. Once we do learn them and we start observing them, they're very liberating. and We start having this affection for them. It's like, oh, wow, I understand what's going on here. Because that's why the mind gets shaken up and it struggles and has difficulties in the unenlightened state is because we don't understand these universal truths. So therefore, because we don't understand these universal truths and these natural laws of existence, all these things are happening around us that we don't understand. So we get frustrated when the computer freezes up or we get frustrated when the Wi-Fi freezes up or when the Netflix freezes up or when we go to the store and we want our favorite chocolate cake and they don't have it. We get frustrated because we don't understand impermanence. So the more we understand it, the more that we just get comfortable with it and we start observing it everywhere in the world around us. It can be frustrating for someone who knows about enlightenment. And they know their mind isn't there yet, right? If there's craving, desire, attachment for that peacefulness, for enlightenment, when you observe that the mind is discontent, you're going to be frustrated and irritated, right? Because oftentimes people, when they first learn about this path and they first learn that there is something called enlightenment, where the mind can be permanently peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, they start craving that. And now when their mind becomes angry at the Wi-Fi not working or they get irritated because the Wi-Fi is not working, not only do they get irritated because the Wi-Fi is not working, they get irritated because they're irritated, right? They get discontent because they're discontent. It's like, oh, that Wi-Fi made me angry or now I'm irritated or whatever. Oh, but now I'm not enlightened, right? I can see I'm not enlightened and I'm irritated at that, too. So it kind of compounds your discontentedness because your discontent because you're discontent. So you've got to let go of these cravings where you don't crave peacefulness, you don't crave enlightenment, but instead you pursue this path as an interest, as a goal, as an objective, realizing it's a gradual pursuit. One of the things that I share is that it took the Buddha six years to get enlightened. Six years. So it's gonna take you some time. I've worked with some students who in a couple of years, two or three years, they can get to enlightenment, but still that's going to take some time because they're doing it with guidance where the Buddha, he was doing it on his own. So it took him more than just two years or one year, three years. It was the same thing when once the Buddha attained enlightenment, he had students that were attaining enlightenment in nine months or a year or two years, the same thing. But it's going to take you some time. It's not going to be a quick thing because your mind has been like this your entire life. And I happen to know your age, Tonka. You've shared it with me before. So your mind's been unenlightened for this amount of time in this life and for countless lives before this. So you've existed for millions of years in different forms, right, for countless lives. So let's just say it took you another five years or even say it took you 10 years or 15 years. That's a blink of an eye compared to the whole span of existences that you've had over countless existences. So just enjoy the journey. Know that it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a struggle sometimes. But you reach out to me and the other members of the community and we'll help you. Other people have craved enlightenment. I craved enlightenment at one time, too. That's how I know that it's a thing. It's a real thing. And as long as you crave it, you won't get to it. So you just got to kind of sneak up on it, where you're kind of like sneaking up behind it. Another way to think about it that will help you is think about it as the mind is already enlightened. Oftentimes when we don't have something, it makes us want it more because we don't have it. So think about it as the mind is already enlightened. And there's just pollution in the way, and you've got to get that pollution out of the way so that you can experience more and more enlightened qualities. Because there might be 10 minutes or an hour or three hours or a day or two that you're quite peaceful. That's like temporary enlightenment. It's not a thing. The Buddha never really taught that, but you can think about that one day of peacefulness as kind of like temporary enlightenment and showing you that you have the ability to attain it or that the mind is already enlightened, but now there's this pollution that arises the next day and produces this discontentedness. So one of the ways to let go of the craving for enlightenment is just to imagine that the mind is already enlightened, and then all you've gotta do is learn and practice enough to eliminate the pollution so that you can experience more and more time of enlightenment, Or more and more qualities of the enlightened mind that's one of the ways to let this go as well and just realize it's going to be a journey and you know it's going to be fun sometimes it's going to be a struggle other times but that struggle is impermanent just like that fun part is impermanent too for now but eventually you'll get these longer and longer periods of time where the mind will be peaceful and you'll thank yourself for being committed and dedicated and diligent to the path when you are getting closer and closer and you experience those longer and longer periods of peacefulness, you'll be so thankful that you stuck with it. But you've got to get over that craving, that desire, that attachment, wanting enlightenment and just pursue it as a goal, an interest, or an objective.
2: Um, yes, sir. It does not appear there are any more questions at this time.
1: All right. Well, thank you all for joining for today's class. Thank you for your questions. Thank you to Tony and Miranda for Moderating, I appreciate your dedication to helping us all learn and share questions and helping to ensure the classes move smoothly. This is wonderful that you're helping out. And thank all of you guys for attending, whether you're attending live or you're listening to this on the replay. I appreciate all your dedication, diligence to learning this path, because as you learn and practice, it's helping you. It's helping those close to you. And it's helping all of humanity because as you cause less harm in the world, it's helping you because your mind's becoming more peaceful and it's helping the people who are close to you, your friends, your family, your neighbors, the people that you're now not causing as much harm to. And then because of that, it's helping all of humanity because you're not causing as much harm and it's not affecting the people around you as well. So thank you for your dedication to the path and working your way gradually to the enlightened mental state. This Sunday coming up, we're going to be sharing the five precepts. In fact, Miranda is going to be teaching that class because I'm going to be traveling to America starting next Sunday. So it's going to be a Zoom only class. We're not going to be live streaming that class. So if you normally join by live stream, you're going to need to come into Zoom in order to learn with Miranda. There will still be a podcast. The podcast from last time I taught the five precepts, it's going to be published for a replay but there's not going to be a youtube video or a facebook video it's all going to be in zoom so you're welcome to join miranda and all the other students for this sunday to learn the five precepts and then on wednesday next week it's going to be the third class of our four part series and that's the same thing there's going to be a zoom only class so all the wednesdays until august 3rd are going to be zoom only from this point forward and it's going to be Bosom teaching the first three classes. And then Miranda is going to be teaching the last three classes. So there's going to be two more classes of learning Buddhist chanting. And then Bosom's going to start with a session on breathing mindfulness meditation. And then that'll be his three classes that he teaches. And then Miranda's going to do a class on loving kindness meditation, a class on breathing mindfulness meditation, and a class on loving kindness meditation. We're going to be rotating these. And because I'm going to be traveling, we have some other teachers that are going to step in and guide you guys in meditation. But those Wednesdays are going to be Zoom only. There's not going to be any podcast. There's not going to be any YouTube video or Facebook video during those Wednesdays. All the Saturday and Sunday classes that are typically taught I'm planning to teach those as I normally teach them. So as I've traveled around, over the next six weeks, I've organized my plan so that I can be at a certain location and teach the Saturday Polycanon and English study group at the same time, 9 o'clock Thai time, and teach the Sunday group learning program at the same time, 9 o'clock Thai time. And all the other classes that we're going to be doing are all at the same time. We base it all off of the Thai time zone. So wherever that is, in your time zone, you can tune in by Zoom for Sunday and all the next Wednesdays. But then Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be Zoom, YouTube, and Facebook, and all the other facilities that we usually have, like podcast, the Periscope, the Twitch, and all the other places that we stream to. So I sent out an email on this uh, just today, so you'll see all the details in email if you're looking for the details, or you're always welcome to send me a a message, and I will help you understand what our schedule is going forward. But if you're on our mailing list, you'll see it in your email. And if you're not on our mailing list, you can go to buddhadailywisdom.com and click on the contact link, and from there, you can put in your email address, and you'll get on our mailing list so that when We have announcements of new classes and opportunities to learn and retreats and stuff like this. You'll be able to learn those. Everything that we share is all offered at no cost. So you'll never get an email that's begging you to buy something or pay for something or anything like that. It's only emails to inform you of the learning opportunities to learn at no cost and take advantage of being able to learn the path to enlightenment and get your mind closer and closer to the enlightened mental state. So I'll see you either in a future class or perhaps as I travel over the next six weeks, I'll see you at some point. Have a very lovely and wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Sawadika.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com.